we're going to wrap up this series today, the series called Champions. I forgot what the series name was last service. Um, and our, our six-week study in 1 Samuel chapter 17. So if you would just pray with me as we start this service, set our hearts before God. Dear God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come together and worship you. It's good. It's good to worship you. We come into the space from so many different places and circumstances. Some of us have had spectacular weeks, and we want to give you the glory and the praise for what you've been doing there in our lives. And some of us have had some terrible weeks. We still want to give you praise and glory for what we know you can do in and through the worst of what we have to walk through. Um, so thankful for those that have given their lives uh, for the sake of our country and the freedom that allows us to gather here. We pause right now just to remember them. You said that there's no greater love than someone laying their life down for their friends. So we thank you for their love and sacrifice and how we're reminded by their sacrifice that it points to your ultimate sacrifice for us. We pray that you just speak to us this morning, that your word would cut through all the distractions and barriers that we have in our hearts. We don't need me. We just need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today's message is called The Victor's Circle, and it's the wrap on the entire chapter that we've spent the last six weeks digging into. I don't know if it's been good for you, but it has been good for me to just study this stuff and like really slow down and go through this chapter bit by bit and piece by piece. And just a real quick kind of like scope of the whole thing to help us land the plane here today. The first week we talked about how you should just show up with a cheese plate. How God will take your small, seemingly insignificant acts of faithfulness, your small acts of just following him in the ordinary parts of your life, and he will use them to do something extraordinary. David was already anointed king, but his first step was back to the sheep field tending the sheep. The first act that landed him in the space where this battle, this epic victory would be won was just delivering some goods, including a literal cheese plate to the front lines to, to check in on his brothers. You see, David was somebody who was faithful in the little things. His character was true, whether somebody was looking or somebody wasn't. And for some of us, we want big change in our life. We want God to do big things, but we neglect what he's put in front of us today. And there's great stuff that'll happen in your life that God will do in your life when you just give him the little stuff, when you're faithful with the cheese plates of life, when you're, when you're, when you're like, it's okay to want the big things, but when you're faithful to where he's called you right here and right now. The, the next week we talked about how you gotta start to see your giants differently. We all have giants, I have giants. You have giants that we face, these kind of big opposing things. Sometimes they seem like they're going to crush us. Sometimes it just seems like a heavy weight upon us. We all have these giants that we 
have to face. And what we have to do to start to face that giant differently is we have to see it with a spiritual perspective. Your giant may be big, but it's not as big as your God. It may be loud, but it's not as loud as what God says about you. We gotta start to look at our giants through the lens that God gives us, through the lens of our faith. And what we find is that the giants still seem big and scarier, but our perspective on them is so much different. We see them and we see a God who is faithful in the middle of it. We see a God who is bigger. We, we, we can pull our courage when we start to fix our perspective and see the giants we face with a spiritual perspective. We talked about discouragement in this. Have you been discouraged by somebody this week, last week, this month? Have you faced some discouragement? Isn't it interesting how when you decide you're going to take a step of faith, you're going to stretch yourself, you're going to get to know God bigger, maybe even some of you that are like, I'm gonna get baptized, or you, you decide that you're gonna like come to church, uh, anything you do in life where you're taking a step of faith, what we're hit with immediately isn't like a bunch of people golf clapping and going like, yeah, you go, you go. No, what we're hit with almost immediately, without fail, is discouragement. Discouragement comes from all kinds of places, but the places it comes from that hurts the most is when discouragement comes from people close to us. David says, I'm gonna take a step out to this giant. I'm gonna step out in faith. And immediately his brother, his oldest brother, questions his, his reasoning, questions his motives, questions his character, attacks his, his, him spiritually, cuts him down spiritually. Who are you to think you can do this? You're so arrogant. You've always been arrogant. Why don't you just go back to the sheep field where you belong? Discouragement just kind of steps up and, man. And then you had Saul with, with his older brother. He just had to dust it off and turn away, not listen to it anymore, unengage him. And, and maybe there's some people in your life you need to minimize their voice. You don't need to disown them. God calls us to love them and to love our family, but maybe you gotta make their voice a bit smaller in your life. Maybe you gotta turn from them and stop seeking their opinion or approval of you. Instead, seek a better opinion and approval of you. Seek God's. There was this older brother. He just had to get off me, man. And then there was Saul who hit him with discouragement. Now Saul's discouragement was different. Saul just couldn't see it. He just couldn't see what God had done in his life. He didn't see what God was doing in his life. He didn't see how God had prepared him, had given him strength, had given him experiences, had gifted him for this very moment. Saul just didn't see it. And there's people that are for you, but it's discouraging because they just don't see what God's doing in your life. And David, in that situation, he shows him. And sometimes you just gotta show people. Not necessarily with your words, but with how you live, and how you act, how you stand up in front of the giants, how you handle yourself. See, sometimes you just gotta create room for those people that may be discouraging, but they're, they're for you to, to help them really see all that God has been doing in your life. The following week, we talked about encouragement. Man, these sermons each took like 30-some minutes. I could have wrapped it into this little five-minute blip. Uh, finding encouragement. It's good to have encouragement from other people. We're called to, and told to encourage one another. 
even more so, Scripture says, as the days get darker, it's good to encourage each other, and we should be more encouraging. There's not a lot of encouragement floating around there in, in our world today. There's not a lot of people ready and willing to pick you up with a kind word or a solid, encouraging compliment about who you are, what God's doing in your life. It's not enough of that, but, but an even greater encouragement doesn't come from the lips of people around you. The greatest encouragement comes from letting God be a part of your story and from seeing him work. I wonder if our faith kind of struggles sometimes because we limit God to certain areas of our lives, certain days of the week. I wonder if our courage suffers because our faith suffers because we box God into these little areas of our life. The greatest encouragement you can have is when you allow God to have all of you and you watch what he does in every area of your life. David's greatest encouragement came from knowing that God was with him when he faced down a bear. God was with him when he faced down a lion and all he had was a shepherd's staff and a handful of hair. Your greatest encouragement. And last week we talked about don't fit the mold. Be who God has called you to be in the space God has given you. You don't gotta be like me and I shouldn't try to be like you. There's not some Christian ideal or mold or clone out there that we should all attain to. God has gifted you. He has, he has given you experiences. He has been preparing you for this moment. Be who God has made you to be. Not just who you wanna be, not who others say you should be, who God has designed you and created you to be. There's such power in that. And today I wanna talk to you about stepping into the victor's circle, not just preparing yourself for it, but actually experiencing it in life. And to jump into this, I'd like to, if it's cool with you, if you're not asleep already. Are you asleep already? You dreaming about barbecue? Some burgers? Now I'm hungry. Okay, so um, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, last week we left off with the part where David took the five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his shepherd's bag, and carried his sling and started to approach the Philistine, Goliath, in the middle of these two battle lines. So we'll pick it up at 41 if you're following along in your Bible. If you're taking notes, if you don't have a paper Bible and you want a paper Bible, you can grab one off the shelf on the way out. We love to give away Bibles. We give them away all the time. If you want to start reading your Bible on your phone, I use the YouVersion app. It's a brilliant Bible phone app and it's free. And uh, if you don't have one, don't, don't feel bad. You can just listen in here. So meanwhile, the Philistine, this is Goliath, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over. You got people looking you over, right? Like you got people that are, they got no problem like looking you over with that judgmental, with that, that look, you know, that condescending kind of look. They're gonna look you over and they're gonna look for all of your flaws and all of your failings. They're gonna look for all the ways in which you're a disappointment. They're gonna look for all that. And this, this, 
Philistine, he looks David over and he saw that he was little more than a boy, just a, we'll get to that in a second, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. Sometimes people will despise you. You didn't do anything. It's not because of a mistake you made. It's not because, it's just because their heart is so hard. They just see you. They see you as you are. They just despise you for no reason whatsoever. He just despises David. And he says to him, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said. I should have mentioned that this is at least PG-13 today. And maybe rated R for violence and gore. So buckle up, I guess. (laughs) Come here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. I told you. I told you it gets gets a little rough. (laughs) Now I lost my place in here. This very day I will give your carcasses, the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from its sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistine to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the road to Gath and Ekron. When the Israelites returned from clashing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. Sometimes when giants approach with disdain, when it becomes imminent that you're going to have to face your giant, it doesn't become theoretical anymore. It's not just something that you're talking about on a Sunday morning in a church, from hearing from some guy in a jean jacket about it. <laughs> you know, um, when it gets close and it's no longer theoretical, it's no longer an intellectual exercise of your face faith, it, it gets scarier. It's like my first roller coaster, right? You're standing in the long line and the idea of that drop is way over here and you're just kind of having fun with your buddies and you know it's kind of there, but it's not something that's like on the front of your brain. It's just kind of lingering here. 
It's one of those ideas or fears that you kind of like tolerate, but you don't really give time to. And then all of a sudden, after an hour and a half wait, have you been to an amusement park later? It's at least an hour and a half. You get to the front of the line and your buddy's like, let's jump in the front of this roller coaster and go. And you're like, I just want to run out of here. Right? Like, the closer some things get, the, the scarier things of life, doesn't matter, good, bad, asking uh, some dad for their daughter's hand in marriage, that was scary enough. Like you asking, uh, stepping out into a new job, the closer, that, the closer that giant approaches, the scarier it gets. And our tendency when it gets really scary is to try to like run from it or hide from it or drown out all those negative feelings just to escape maybe a little, buy ourselves a little more time, push it off a little bit more. But the giants of life, they don't just like turn up and say, okay, you need a time out, I'll give you some time. We can hold this off, we'll wait a little bit. They have no concern for us. They, they look at us with disdain. They're coming no matter what. And what's so encouraging to me is that the closer this giant got to David, the more you see courage ooze out of him. And maybe that's just my hope for me. I don't know if I'm there yet. Maybe it's my hope for you. That there could be something so different about our approach to the biggest challenges we face. That there would be something so different about how we stand in front of the biggest obstacles that we will have to face. That the scarier things get, the more courage just starts to ooze out of us because of our faith. And so I gotta slow down and I gotta say like, okay, how is David standing in front of this giant, ill-prepared by all human standards, unready to face this beast of an opposition with his 15-pound spear tip? How is he standing here essentially Naked, with a slingshot and five stones, so courageously, so powerfully. The, the giant steps to David and immediately says, just a, you're just a kid. Isn't it interesting how the giants tend to highlight our insecurities? David, standing there in front of this giant, he looks at him with disdain. You're just a kid. What are you doing out here? Just some farm boy out here. You're just a, you're just a, you're just a. And I wonder what the giants in your life tell you you're just a. What are your just us? You're just not smart enough. I'll share some, I don't know yours. I'll share some of mine that I've wrestled with over the years. You're just not as smart. You're not, you're not as, you're just not as good enough of pastor as these other people. You've just made too many mistakes. You just, you just don't know enough. You're just not strong enough. You're just not good enough for this moment in time. The giants that we face, they'll spit all these things at us trying to highlight our insecurities. It makes me want to run. You're right. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. You're right. I, I don't know. I feel like an imposter in this moment. I don't belong here. Why didn't God choose somebody else for this moment? I'm not gonna make it. I can't make it. Look at who I am. What do I have that, 
I, I don't have anything good. I don't have anything that I can use to get through this. Justa, you're justa, you're justa. And I wonder if you hear that as you face the giants that you face. You're just not good enough. You just screwed it up too much already. You're just not who you should be. You're just not strong enough. You just don't have a good enough faith. You're just not religious enough. You're just not. You're just not. Do you hear those things from the giants who want to just highlight your insecurities? You're, you're not just your past. You are not just the sum of your mistakes. You are not just your weaknesses, your failings, your insecurities. You are not just your losses. You are not just less than. You are not just someone who doesn't belong. You're so much more than that. See, you are created in the image of God himself. You are, if you have placed faith and accepted this incredible work that Jesus has done on your behalf, you are a child of the most high God, a son, a daughter, someone that scripture teaches us is an heir to all that he has and wants to give us. I know the giants, they shout and make your insecurities flare up and sometimes it's all you can see are all the shortcomings that your giants seem to highlight. But you are so much more than all that. You are so dear and precious in God's sight. He has a purpose and meaning for your life. And you are not done with this giant. Just as you are not just a sum of the just as you hang on to. David, he stands before this giant highlighting all of his insecurities. And I wonder if he heard that somewhere. I'm sure that there were probably times and moments where he's human just like you and I, where he laid in bed thinking, who am I? Why, why would I be the next king? I don't know what I need to know. I don't do what I need to do. I don't, I'm not good enough or I'm not brave enough. Or I'm strong. I'm not strong. You see, I, I'm sure that because he's a human like you and I, there were moments where those voice, the voices of his insecurities kind of filtered through his ears and took up space in his brain, but it wasn't the loudest voice. You see, he came and stepped to his giant, not in his own strength and not in his own identity, equipped solely with his faith and courage and understanding of who God is. And who he was to God. You see, David knew how much he meant to God. He had seen God show up before. He had watched God walk him through some stuff. And it wasn't just about David anymore. And it's not just about you. So what they said about him. And what they say about you. It should not take up space any longer. It should not be something you linger in. There's a voice that should be louder. 
It's God's voice declaring who you are to him. David, he stepped up and he declared boldly and in faith that this was going to be victory for him. He could do that because of his faith. And he could do that because he came in the name of Jesus. And that's how we got to step up to our giants. In 1 John chapter 5, verses 4 through 5, this is such an amazing passage that maybe you should jot down the reference and hang on to this for next time. You're facing a giant. It says this. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. The message remakes a paraphrased version of the Bible that tries to put it into our common uh, language today. It, It takes that last verse and kind of interprets it this way. It says, the conquering power that brings the world to its knees, including whatever giant you face, is our faith. It's something so powerful about the name of Jesus that the disciples having gone out and cast out demons, they come back and they say to Jesus in Luke 10, 17, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. As Jesus stood on the bow of the boat and the waves and the wind and the storm threatened to crush him and the boat and the disciples, with a whisper he settled them. It's the name of Jesus that is so strong. Philippians 2, 10 through 41. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, David approached his giant with faith a faith that can overcome. And with, in the name of Jesus, the, the most powerful name from which we source and pull our strength from. The name in which we pray to. The name at which demons shudder and flee. The name of Jesus. So victory could be his. It's time for you to declare some victories in your life in the name of Jesus. Now these victories don't always turn out the way we want. My mom was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer and given a couple months to live. And some of you know what it's like to experience loved ones going through that. We prayed for her victory over cancer every day. And what we wanted was to see her healed of it in our time, in our sight, so she could walk this earth a little longer with us. Now what you gotta know about victory in Jesus is it doesn't always turn out the way we want it to turn out. But it always turns out with us standing in the victor's circle. And that's a victor's circle that for my mom, she's standing in right now. It's a victor's circle that even on this earth, cancer couldn't steal from us. Couldn't take her from us. Couldn't steal her love from us, her memory for us. Couldn't hinder her legacy in us. You see, victory doesn't always look the way we want it to look, but it can always be yours in the name of Jesus you can step into the victor's circle because he's already won. I don't know what you need to declare, but you can declare every promise that he has given you as true and yours. 
If you belong to him, you can declare there's nothing that can separate me from the love of God for me. Not heaven, not hell, not angels, not demons, not anything you can imagine in this life. God loves me so completely and his love is so strong, there's nothing that can separate me from it. You can declare if you are his in the middle of any circumstance, standing before any giant, that God will work in this moment through this thing for for my good, he will bring about good from whatever it is I have to face in this life. You can declare that there's nowhere you can go that he will not go with you. You can declare that if you travel to the heights, he is there. That if you sink to the depths, he is there. You can declare that he is close to you as he is close to the brokenhearted. You know, I think it's so powerful that David declares it. You come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel whom you defied, and this day I will be delivered. It's time to start declaring in faith and through the name of Jesus some victories even in the face of your greatest giants. He will overcome. And because he overcomes, you will overcome too. It's all in the approach. Are you going to approach your giant on your own strength, with your own skill, with your own intellect? Or can you source your faith and the power from the name of Jesus who loves you, who died for you, who rose again for you as you face this giant. David runs. He declares it and he runs, oh, to have that kind of courage to be able to run at his giant. Just runs. He says, there's no more hiding. That's what we do. No more trying to escape. No more drowning it out and trying to avoid it. No more trying to procrastinate and put off the inevitable for another day. He declares his victory. He steps to his giant fearlessly, full of courage in the power of Jesus' name. It's like Psalm 23, which he would write later captures so beautifully in verse five, you prepare a table before me, David would later write, in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, surely my cup overflows and your goodness will, and love will follow me all the days of my life. You set a table before my enemies. Maybe if your courage is dwindling in the face of your giant and if the insecurities are the loudest things that are taking up space in your brain, if, if you find your courage to be fleeting and you're filled with despair instead of hope, maybe you've been sitting at the wrong table. The peace and the courage comes from knowing that God has prepared a table for you in the presence of all of these enemies. That it's his table, that he set it, 
that he's pulled your seat up to this moment in time and he has placed you here for a moment just as this. That you sit in his protection and in his care and in his provision because he is the one that is setting the table up of your life. And that right now, in this moment, you didn't make your own table in front of your enemies. You're not trying to set your own plate up in front of your enemies. You sit squarely here, sourced, protected, and cared for by the God of the universe who has willed you to be in this moment and who will see you through whatever it is you face. You will overcome because of him. David knew the peace His heart swelled with the courage of knowing that this wasn't his moment. It wasn't his battle. He had already given it to God. It was God's moment. He'll fight for you if you just let him. The courage, it spills over. It'll spill over for you. See, the courage of this one moment, this one man stepping to this one giant in the name of God, it's something that's spilled over into all the hearts of all his friends and all the people around him. And when you step with courage in faith and in the name of Jesus to the challenges that you face every day, it affects the people around you too. They will pull courage from your victory. They will pull strength from your stance. And victory won't just be yours. It'll be shared by a lot of people you love. I I don't know what giants you have to face this week, and I don't know what part of the story about David and this giant you pulled the most hope or strength from, but I wish you would step into your victory I wish that you would approach your giant differently, not on your own strength, but in the name of Jesus and in the strength that God has for you that will allow you to stand and see through whatever it is you have to face. I wish that you would source your power from him and I wish that we would start celebrating the victories, little and big, that God is giving us as we step through the giants we have to face. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for this incredible example of David and the victory we can have because of you. It doesn't always look like we want it to look like, but sometimes it does. And we can face whatever it is we have to face armed with our faith and knowing who you are who you say we are in you and trusting you for our today and tomorrow. We can have courage that's not just propped up by our own strength and accomplishments, but courage from knowing that you set our table, that you have purpose for us and peace for us too. I pray that there would not be any challenge that we would seek to face on our own, but instead that we would be calling on your name, the name at which every knee shall bow. 
the name at which the demons flee and the wind and the sea obeys. We thank you that you have drawn us into your family, that you have given us victory already through Christ's finished work, and that we can experience that victory when we start walking forward in faith and courage in your name, in Jesus' name.